I'm not a night owl. I'm not even a night sparrow. I'm a morning person. My mantra is awaken the dawn. I'm that guy you don't like. One of my most exhausting days came while we lived in Florida. The lovely and I were helping out at youth camp, and some of the staff asked if I would help them to publish a camp yearbook. So I stayed up all night so they could publish it and give it to the campers by the end of the week. When the dawn broke, we were just finishing up the last few photos. The staff rushed off to the printer, and I headed to the day service to hear my friend Jeff preach. But I could not stay awake. I snuck away to the dorm for a few minutes of rest, but I woke up a few minutes later because it was time to leave camp and head to preach the weekend four and a half hours away. We started off on our four and a half hour drive, but I was dozing off most of the time. So we made it up to the exit for Gainesville, which was whopping 40 minutes up the road, only four hours left to go. We pulled into a Wendy's parking lot, and I tried to recline my seat, but that wasn't happening. We tried in our 1991 Dodge Spirit to stay cool, but the air conditioner wasn't working well, so that's definitely not happening, especially in Florida summer heat. I tried to sleep, so I didn't fall asleep on the road, but I couldn't sleep. Andrea was also exhausted from the full week she had worked at camp, and we wondered if we would even make it to the Panhandle alive. We were so tired, and in case you're wondering, we survived. We made it, we collapsed into a deep sleep, and we didn't even cough until the next morning. And that was from missing just one night's rest. I could not imagine what it would be like to want to rest, but not being able to rest for the rest of my days. But there is a place. There is a time where rest is like a mirage. It seems like you can grasp it, but you can't. That place is called hell. That time is called eternity. And Jesus spoke about hell even more than he spoke about heaven. Clearly it mattered to him to warn everybody heading headlong into hell that they did not have to end up there. And I'll tell you more about what he told them right after this. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to A Hell to Shun on Simplify. Scripture screams loudly that there is no rest and no relief once you have gone to hell. Hell offers no respite, no reprieve, no break, no relief from its torment. For Revelation 14 verse 11 reads, And they have no rest day or night. When we were teens, it was fun to try to stay up all night, but that next day, somewhere during that day, you're going to find a pillow and crash because God created us to need, not just want, rest. Imagine going two days, three days, four days. Five days, one week, two weeks, one month, two months, one year, ten years. Without being able to close your eyes and rest one minute of rest to salve your exhaustion. Every soul who makes hell their eternal home will not be able to find rest for their weary, worn-out soul. We heard on Simplify last week that there was a heaven to gain. Thank God. But there is also a hell to shun. So God, please help us to gain heaven and shun hell. For in heaven there is no sun or moon, for the Lamb is the light in heaven. But in hell there is no sun or moon, but it's for a different reason. Hell is described as the blackness of darkness forever. You would think the darkness would court you to close your eyes and rest, but not so in hell. Its darkness only fosters fear. What's happening? What was that noise? Where are those voices coming from? What's going to happen to me? The darkness of hell will be like it was described during the plagues that struck Egypt, a darkness that can be felt. 
But even if you could see everything that happens there, even if hell were filled with fluorescent lights, once you make hell your home, you'll be powerless to stop anything that happens there. Even though you could see the torture and terror, you will be weak and powerless to stop it. Even the kings and captains of this world will be sapped of their strength as soon as they close their eyes in death and open their eyes in hell. For according to Isaiah 14, verse 10, those who are already there will ask the strongest who are coming there, have you become as weak as we? Have you become like us? If you feel powerless to affect change in the world, magnify that by a billion and you'll have an inkling of how powerless you would feel to affect any change in hell. Even the strongest among us will be weaker than the weakest among us when they land in hell. When I was a boy, Mom and Dad used to take me to Harold's Barbershop in Utica. And I remember sitting there in that big barber chair while Mr. Boyd cut my hair, and I tried to keep him from cutting my ears off with those scissors. And on his wall, across from the chair, there was a poster that was called, Why Worry? And I read that poster over and over again, and I still remember what it read. It read this, there are only two reasons to worry. Either you are well or you are sick. If you are well, there's no reason to worry. But if you are sick, there are two reasons to worry. Either you will get well or you will die. If you get well, there's no need to worry, but if you die, there are two reasons to worry. Either you will go to heaven or you will go to hell. If you go to heaven, there's no need to worry, but if you go to hell, you'll be so busy shaking hands with friends, you won't have time to worry. I wish that were the picture Jesus painted of hell. Just shaking hands with friends and saying hi to friends for all eternity, but it's not. Hell is described in Job and Isaiah as a prison. Its prisoners are locked behind bars and in chambers from which there is no release, there is no parole. According to Isaiah 5, hell is not large enough for the people who keep crashing into it. It must continue enlarging itself. Heaven began as 1,500 miles cubed, but hell began only large enough to imprison the devil and his angels. Imagine how close those prison cells must be to one another, how overcrowded and undersized hell really is. Yet the endless march of humanity just keeps on marching without regard for the word of God or the God who authored his word, and they keep marching headlong into hell. If you live the rest of your life rebelling against God, who prepared heaven and his word to show you how to make it there, God will let you live and even die with your choice, and you will fall into hell. If you keep pushing him away for all time, why would he sentence you to be with him for all eternity? He will let you live with your choice. In hell there is no rest, no light, no strength, no freedom, but for all its glaring absences, there is one presence that will make it hell. You will have your memory. In heaven you won't remember one sorrow-filled second, but in hell you won't be able to forget one of them. We know that because Jesus told the story of a man who struck it rich in life but died lost and opened his eyes in hell. The memory of how you lived on this earth and how you should have gotten ready for eternity will be your torment and torture for all eternity, and it will play over and over and over in your mind like a recording you wish you could stop but can't. You remember every song and every sermon you heard calling you to get right with God and ready for heaven. You remember the times you could have, should have, come to the altar to get right with God. Times God reached for you with his nail-pierced hands and you pushed him away. You'll wish on that day that you made things right with God on this day. If you end up in hell, you'll be able to remember the people you left behind on this earth, and you will wish with all your soul you could run through their streets screaming to them to shun this horrid place, but you won't be able to lift their voice to warn them even in a whisper. 
You will know you left behind loved ones who are not right with God and you will wish you could warn them, but you can't. Perhaps the most sobering news about hell is the news Abraham broke to the rich man in this Luke 16 story when he said, Son, I'm sorry, but there is a great gulf fixed between us so that even if I wanted to come where you are, I cannot. And make no mistake about it, I know you want to come where I am, but you cannot. What will make hell truly tormenting will not just be unquenchable flames or even the memory of messages preached and altars you ignored. Lay aside the fact that your neighbors in hell will be those who committed heinous and horrible crimes on earth. What will truly make hell, hell is the opposite of what makes heaven, heaven. In heaven, you will be eternally with God. But in hell, you will be eternally separated from him. Because between heaven and hell, there is a great gulf and it is fixed. There is no bridging or crossing that gap. The only bridge that crossed that gap was a cross. And those who reject the gospel, those who are in hell cannot get to heaven. And those in heaven cannot get to hell. I know it's bad on earth right now, but we're still surrounded by the people of God who are led by the Spirit of God and listen to the Word of God and filled with the Spirit of God. We are mixed amidst a very mixed up and messed up world. But if you think it's bad here, just think of how hopeless it will feel in hell. Where there are no people of God and no Spirit of God and no love of God reaching out to you to give you hope because in hell you are eternally separated from God. As far as hell is separated from heaven, so far as hell bereft of hope. So I'm pleading with you, listen to this podcast. There is a heaven far too wonderful for words to gain and there is a hell far too horrible for words to shun. We must get right with God to gain heaven and shun hell when our days on earth are done. But many people have the question, why? Why does there have to be a hell? Why not just a heaven? Why would a loving God send people to hell? A few years ago, we bought a shed for our backyard because we were tired of running over the lawnmower while trying to back the car out of the garage. Well, actually, truth be told, I was tired of running over the lawnmower while trying to back the car out of the garage. So we bought the shed for the mower and for the trimmer and for the cornhole game and for the golf clubs I haven't swung since three presidents ago. The shed smells like old gas and even older grass. We didn't buy the shed for the girls to spend the night. They have their own room with their own warm, comfy, cozy bed. They have a fan to blow on them all night for breeze and noise. They could even get up and sneak a spoonful of cookie dough, and we would be none the wiser. But they have a choice. They could sleep in the shed. They know the code to the alarm. They know the combination to the lock. They could disarm the alarm, unlock the lock. They could take their pillow and blanket to the shed and sleep on the plywood floor. But why would they want to? I love them. Andrea loves them. So we have provided a place for them to be safe and sound, especially at night, every night. When God created hell, he didn't create it for us. It was created as a prison for the devil and his bumpkins. And yet people created in the image of God, knit together by God's own hands, into whom he breathed the breath of life and created them a living soul, People who were created to have fellowship and relationship with God, to glorify God, are getting up in the middle of the night and they're disarming the alarm and they're taking their pillow and their blanket to the shed to sleep on the plywood floor because they have a choice. 
Dr. David Norris said people have to climb over the broken body of Jesus just to get to hell. C.S. Lewis said hell is the greatest monument to human freedom. People are marching headlong and headstrong into hell because they choose to live the way they want to live. All the while, God knows that life only leads to selfishness and destruction. For many, it leads to hell on earth, and eventually, it leads to hell in hell. If you go there, you will have to make room for yourself because there's not even enough room for one more soul. But there are literally multiplied millions of miles in heaven. God gave us a heaven to gain, but there is also a hell to shun. Thank God there's still time to get right with God. If you're not right with God, you still have time. If you're listening to this podcast, you have time to get right with God. We get right with God through the gospel, through the price he paid for us on Calvary, through the empty tomb. We get right with God through repentance. We repent of our sins and we ask God to forgive us and then by his grace we turn from our sin and then we are baptized in water in the precious name of Jesus Christ to have our sins washed away and enter into this new covenant relationship with God through baptism. And once we are empty of sin and self, we are ready to receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit where God's Spirit fills us and lives within us. And we know we've received the Spirit of God just like they did in the New Testament because we too will speak with tongues and we will worship God beyond the limits of language in a supernatural way when we are filled with the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Thank God we have the opportunity to be right with Him and ready for heaven. God prepared heaven for us. He prepared hell for the devil. So by the grace of God, let's gain heaven and let's shun hell. I want to pray for you. If you're not right with God, or maybe you have been, but you are not right now, that God would lead you back to him, draw you back to him, draw you to him, and help you to be right with him and ready for heaven when he calls you or all of us home. Jesus, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, for giving us a choice, for not making us live for you, but for offering us the opportunity. I do wish sometimes you had made us live for you so there would be no hell to shun. But you and your love and grace have given us a choice. I do pray help every one of us to choose heaven. Help every one of us to shun hell. Help every one of us to be right with you, repented, baptized in the name of Jesus, entering into covenant relationship with you, filled with your spirit. Help every one of us listening to this podcast to be in right relationship with you and ready for heaven when you call one or all of us home. I pray this and thank you for your goodness and grace. Let conviction flow freely. I pray, Jesus, to touch every heart and bring all of us back to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you, Simplify listeners. I know this is a tough episode, but thank you for listening. Be sure to click subscribe. Be sure to click share. You'll never miss an episode, and nobody you care about or love will ever have to miss an episode either. I have a few resources I'd love for you to check out. Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast, and 10 Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments. Both of those are available at PentecostalPublishing.com and Amazon if you prefer it on Kindle. And 10 Words is also available on Audible if you'd rather listen than read. You can pick up all those resources there. Links are right there in the show notes for you. Also, I want to mention one of my dear friends has just launched a new podcast. His name is Jeff Lee, and his podcast is called My Story. And you can listen to that on Spotify. Jeff and Courtney Lee. Congratulations, guys, for launching that new podcast. 
Next week, I want to begin a series of episodes on the miracles Jesus worked just to build our faith and let us know God can do anything. And I want to share with you the very first miracle we know Jesus worked called Water to Wine. I'm looking forward to sharing that episode with you next week and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.